Hello, and welcome to another episode of Landon Live. Hey, you really like this episode, don't you, Landon? This is an exciting episode. I was just gonna say, I think it's a very exciting... I can't top me by saying very exciting, ain't that right? Yeah. Jackie, let me have this one. Okay. Can I say something? Not, not right now, it's not a good time, Bill. Okay. Just gonna sit here. In today's episode, I interviewed... Dennis Lee. I saw Dennis when I was six years old at my elementary school, and he is one of the main influential ventriloquists that have brought me to love the art and the craft and the production value today. Dennis Lee is an award-winning ventriloquist, comedian, musician, author, and inspirational speaker who has been entertaining people since he was 10 years old. He specializes in shows geared toward families and young children. From an early age, he was interested in bringing characters to life in ways that are both funny and entertaining. In 1986, he won the International Ventriloquist Competition, and from there, his career really took off. Since then, he has produced 56 DVDs and now conducts 450 shows a year. Here is my interview with Dennis Lee. My name is Dennis Lee, and I came all the way from Dallas, Texas, just to be with you. And let me tell you, when I left this morning at 5 o'clock, it was raining so maybe you guys will get some of that, but hopefully not during sports game. We're going to have a great time this morning. Everybody say, okay. Okay. Because this morning, I'm going to tell you what the Lord taught me last year. Everybody say, what's that, Dennis Lee? Last year, the Father gave me a gentle tap on the shoulder and a gentle reminder of something that we all know, but we sometimes forget. Everybody say, what's that? What's that? It's a secret. So Then you give the baby the secret weapon, the milk bottle. That helps them. The babies love the milk. No, they do, because milk helps them to blast up. Haven't you seen that commercial? God, milk? No, I do not. Here we go. Sometimes babies act like they're drinking when they're really not drinking. Hey everybody, let's play baseball! <laughs> that sounds fun. We can use our baseball glove and we can use a bat and a ball. It's gonna be awesome. Uh -huh. And I'm so glad you joined us here today on our very own YouTube channel called Nana Puddin' Tube. Nana Puddin' Tube. My name's Mr. Dennis Lee. Mm -hmm. And this is Baby Mickey. We call him Nana Puddin'. It's how we got the name of our own channel. Nana Puddin' Tube, right? Right. It's his favorite food, banana pudding. But he calls it Nana Puddin'. <laughs> hey, this is the way we start every show. I count to three with you. And then you guys repeat, Nana put in. Ready? Ready. One, two, three. Nana, Nana pudding. That was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, Landon. So happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for being a part of the show. So let's uh, just get right into it. How did you okay. start into ventriloquism? Um, when I was a little boy, uh, my brother, his name is Chuck. He was an awesome um, athlete, and my dad was a three-time All-American basketball player for Oklahoma. And um, 
my baby sister was born Lisa and she had cerebral palsy and uh, my mom used to say she's a special child with special needs they'll have a special life mm-hmm. and uh, so I was kind of looking for my place to fit in the family and my mother said that I always loved puppets so to keep my sister entertained she used to put a sock on my hand while she was doing the laundry and my mom would say, um, entertain your sister. And so Lisa was four years younger than I was. And so she thought it was funny why to make little voices with the sock puppets. Mm-hmm. And my mother loved Edgar Bergen and uh, some famous ventriloquists from vaudeville and radio and television. And so one day she said, you know what? Maybe you could learn to make the puppets talk without moving your mouth. And I was like, what? And so <laughs> she taught me, my mom taught me ventriloquism from a three-page book in about six months and um we got a long play record for those who don't know what a record is <laughs> um, vinyl it's like a giant cd mm-hmm. digital download and uh, i listened to that ventriloquism record it was a long play record and learned to uh, you know be a ventriloquist my mom really taught me even though she's not a practiced ventriloquist mm-hmm. um, she taught me how to be a ventriloquist and so i've been doing ventriloquism since really uh, did my first program when I was 10 years old in Carrollton Farmers Branch. My dad lifted me up on the uh, bed of a, a hay truck and it was called the Carrollton Country Fair. And I won first place. And my dad said I didn't need any more encouragement after that. Wow. <laughs> you know, an A-type personality and blue ribbon go a long way. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. That's the story, Dennis Lee. I love that. So you specialize in church, uh, school and family and fair shows, correct? Correct. Um, You know, my career has really run the gamut. Um, I've been doing it since I was 10. I was telling my dad today, uh, we were just kind of reminiscing. And I said, you know, I've done one job my entire life, um, uh, ventriloquism, you know. And so when I first began, um, I had the opportunity to do some work at, um, you know, different churches and my own church. I had some really great children's pastors, um, Ronnie Adams and Sandra Saunders, and um, just some really great people that uh, allowed us to use our talent within the walls of the church and outside the walls of the church. And um, so I kind of grew up thinking that um, whatever your gift was, whether it was you could dribble a basketball or you could draw a picture or you could sing a song or you were great in science, that, you know, there was a place for you in church and that you didn't just have to keep your gift inside the walls of the church, but you could also um, take it outside the walls of the church. So um, I kind of got my start there. Yeah. And then when, 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 <laughs> wow. when did you come to that realization? Because that's really, it's really neat. Um, well, I had a, a really, really great uh, minister of music. His name was Jim Moses. And um, he was like, you know, um, singers are great because I really wanted to be a singer. And I wanted to, you know, I played the piano and wrote music. And he was like, singers are great, Dennis, but, you know, a lot of people can sing, but not a lot of people can do ventriloquism. And um, so why don't you sing and do ventriloquism? So I kind of combined those two things. But it it was as a child, really, um, I was just given um, an extraordinary blessing. The older I get, the more I realize what a blessing it was that Mm -hmm. I have done one job my whole life. Um, I worked at the Gap part time just because I liked the discount on the clothes. (laughs) Yeah. And then I waited tables when I was 14, 14 for about six weeks. And I was like, are you kidding? This is hard work. Um, when I can go do a birthday party and, and get paid 50 bucks, yeah. you know, I'm going to work all week. And, you know, so 
Um, that's it was hilarious. a very easy. <laughs> it was a it's very really easy. that's really funny because my sister's a waitress. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's funny to to we'll, we'll sit down for uh, for dinner every night and <laughs> or it used to be like that before the the whole virus and everything. But I would go do a right. show and and I'd talk about my day and then my sister would talk about all the different people she got to wait on that day and just the different perspectives. So I totally get that. Yeah. Absolutely. And it is a hard job. You have to be, yes. you know, to be a waitress or a waiter. Uh, oh, anybody yes. in the service industry, it's a, that's a hard job. Yeah, definitely. Well, what was what was it like you said that you've done ventriloquism your entire life, which is just phenomenal. What was the progression like for you? And what was it? What was your did you go to college and what, what did you pursue in college? And when you when you yeah. uh, finished college, how did that how did that play out in terms of uh, defining your career and what, what your path was? Well, um, I, I graduated from Newman Smith High School, and um, I was involved in athletics, and I was involved in drama and speech. But really, while I was in um, even high school, um, I was already doing programs for nursing homes and for kids' birthday parties and vacation Bible schools. And really, whoever would let me talk, I would, I would come speak to them. And uh, I began to um, earn a living that way. Uh, even as a child in high school, uh, a kid in high school. And then um, I really, it wasn't until I got into the University of North Texas. Um, I studied interpersonal communication and got my degree there um, at the Mean Green Fighting Eagles. I always say we weren't mean, but we were real green. And the best thing about us back then was the debating team. <laughs> That's changed. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, while I was at the University of North Texas, I was really trying to... Um, find a way to either get my master's degree in counseling and then go on to seminary. Um, I really had not solely thought that ventriloquism would be my, um, my life work. I thought it would be a part of my life work. And uh, so at North Texas, um, I did some program in the Denton Independent School District um, while I was a senior at North Texas. Mm -hmm. And just before I graduated, I did these programs for school children. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is number one. It's fun. Number one, the audience and my brain kind of clicked with them. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the way I thought uh, I had a teacher's heart. So it really led me to be able to um, pursue a lot of different things at once. And I didn't want to just teach children math and science and art, poetry and history and language. Although that is, of course, you know, the most noble of professions. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to teach them about kindness and friendship and acceptance and um, trying to make good life choices and being positive and how to celebrate their journey. Because that has been um, part of my journey has been learning to celebrate the gifts that I've been given and the unique qualities that they brought me. So I graduated from the University of North Texas uh, and uh, that really kind of led me down a, a path while I was getting ready to apply for my master's degree mm -hmm. uh, before I could sign up and do the paperwork. Um, some of the Denton independent schools called a professor at North Texas and said, Hey, is that guy Dennis Lee going to be doing, you know, the programming with children this year? And oh, he said, wow. no, no, no. He did. Yeah. He said, he just did that. His name was Dr. William powers, willpower. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. Anyway, he uh, he he uh, passed their names on to me. And so I spoke with some principals and counselors and said, you know, I 
um, I was just doing the programming um, for your students uh, as a part of a, uh, my thesis. And they said, um, oh, well, you know, Mr. Lee, um, will you come back and do a show for us? We'll pay you. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. hold, the, hold the phone. So um, I thought I can teach. I can do a bit of counseling. Mm -hmm. I can do the art form that I love the most. And I can be paid for it. So that's really kind of how my career began to unfold. And mm -hmm. then I just fell in love with talking to children. Um, I, 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 uh, our mission statement at my company, Dennis Lee Productions, is that we have spent years um, loving and teaching children and the people who love and teach them. Mm -hmm. Because I think we don't just speak to the children. We also speak to their moms and their dads and their grannies and foster parents and all the people that love and teach them. And the way that I do that is because I had such a rich um, upbringing with a mom and a dad who really loved us and cared for us and, and teachers that really got me and, uh, you know, children's pastor who said, Hey, you got a monkey puppet. Okay. Come on. You come talk to us, you know? So, um, I was really blessed, lucky, fortunate, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. Um, that I was given the opportunity, really, it kind of fell out of the sky. That's what I say and hit me on the head. And then there was such a need for quality, um, edutainment, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, um, and so um, I, I began to do programming in the public schools and for churches and for kids camps and for this, that and the other. And uh, that led me to television. And um, I did 36 episodes for the Family Network, uh, which was a blast. It was a lot of fun. My own children to this day say I just was talking to my eldest daughter and she was like, oh, remember how much fun that was? <laughs> and I was like, I had to drag y'all out of bed every day and make you memorize your life. <laughs> it, was it was it was a great time. Um, and then the television series, um, what that did was that opened up a whole new part of the world, because then instead of just being a ventriloquist from, you know, at that time, Farmers Branch, Texas, um, it opened up, you know, California and Canada and um, the whole of uh, America. And then what happened from there was then people would say, hey, we're going on a mission trip to Brazil. You want to go? Or, um, hey, we're going to, um, uh, you know, uh, different parts of Latin America. Mm -hmm. um, do you speak any Spanish? And I'd be like, ooh, yeah, just enough to make me dangerous. But um, but I would love to go. And so mm -hmm. um, really, uh, I think God, um, whatever you want to call it in your own life, I, I would definitely call it God, um, opened up my heart and my life and gave me the opportunity to share uh, my gifts of, you know, ventriloquism and laughter and learning with children and the people who love and teach them. So that's mm -hmm. really kind of how my career unfolded. I love that. Can you talk a little bit about how you travel with your show? You're talking about traveling all over the world with your show. How does that work? Because your your show is well, very set heavy, and you've got you've got. I mean, you have a it's a production. It is a Dennis Lee production. When you see a performance, yeah. You talk a little bit about. I, that. I I like to think my show. You know, I wanted to be different than other ventriloquists. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't just want to be, you know, a, a, a ventriloquist with a wooden puppet and just kind of dip it dip it dip it dip it, you know, that pattern. Right, um, although I, I, I loved that. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. I grew up on. But I really wanted something different for myself. I went to the 
a ventriloquist convention. Yes, there is such a thing <laughs> where a bunch of people get together and talk about puppetry and ventriloquists and talk to themselves. Um, and while I was there, I was a young man, but I was just old enough that I had to be in the senior division. So okay. I, I uh, did a part of the, um, the competition and I had a wooden character at that time. His name is Danny, Dennis and Danny. And uh, I won fourth place. And I was I was really upset um, that I thought I was a really super good ventriloquist technically. Mm -hmm. And I was. Um, even at a young, early age, because my mom really helped me to kind of get down, um, you know, don't move your mouth and try to look natural and try to be clear. Uh, but when I won fourth place and I looked around at all the other ventriloquists, I realized that really I was kind of a dime a dozen um, when it came to there was nothing unique about my program. So the next year I said, when I go back to compete and I am going back and it, it's not about me winning, although it kind of was. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do some things differently. And so I came up with new characters. Um, up until that time, I'd only worked with four ventral, I mean, a one eventual was character. And then I developed four over the course of that year. And uh, that's kind of how I got my signature character. And okay. what I, what happened from that Landon was mm -hmm. um, when I went back in the preparation time of a whole year, really focusing on performing at the ventriloquist convention, um, with the goal in mind that I did not want to be a dime a dozen ventriloquist. Um, I wanted to do something unique and something that was um, special. And um, it opened up my eyes and my heart to a whole new way of thinking about my job and the art of ventriloquism that I loved so much and still love to this day. Every time I get a new puppet, it's like, I feel like it's Christmas. Um, so I went back to the competition and I won first place that year. And, um, and Jeff Dunham was one of the judges and um, Paul cheese um, uh, from Las Vegas um, with the dragon. Um, <laughs> golly, I can't believe I can't remember his name anyway, because uh, they were my idols, you know, and so they were judging me and, and they gave me first place. And then I got an originality award. And what that did was it lit a fire underneath me that said, Oh, this is a way that, I can be unique in ventriloquism and still teach children. And I kind of consider my show like a um, Branson kind of meets Las Vegas, but for children. And I for love families. that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> it has That's music. Fantastic. And every year I do a new theme. I do a totally new set. I use two core characters, baby Mickey, who I call Nana Puddin, and then his older brother, Nick. Uh, and then the, all the other characters change. And really, after you do a program 450 times um, during the course of a year, mm -hmm. by the time it gets around for my new show, I am ready for it. You know, I'm ready to lay right. down the props and the set and um, and the, the songs that you've been singing, even though it morphs and it changes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, definitely sure also, I'm sure you're also able to market it to your to your clients too. Absolutely. Next, next show, yeah. I learned, I learned very early on from a lady, her name was Catherine Bassett. She said the best way for you to not get invited back is to continue doing the same old show over and over and over and over and over. And not only um, is it not good for your audience, it's not good for you. I mean, right. it's, it, you, get, you get bored as an artist, you know, if you're just gonna say the same phrases over and over and over. Now, don't get me wrong, there's some pieces of, your program that people are going to expect um, sure. 
um, when you've worked for such a long time, you know, that it, it's kind of like um, a Grammy award winning artist not singing their hits. They just want to sing their new stuff. You know, yeah. the audience is not going to have that, you know. Uh -huh. So you kind of have to reach a balance. But there are ways to repackage your program and still do what makes you unique and what you're known for. But for it to be put into a brand new show and it to um, uh, still interest you and interest your audience. Wow. I love that. And you have uh, a few DVDs out. Is that correct? Yeah. Um when we did, we did 36 episodes for the Family Network with um, uh, Denise Cook was my producer and um, Billy Ray Rippey was my manager at the time. Nancy Burks, who is now Nancy Burks Wooster, um, Doc Gibbs, Lindy Phillips. They were my co-stars on the program. Nancy and I and Ray Rippey wrote 36 episodes. Um, I wrote all of the music except for six songs for each episode, including the theme song and the ending song. And then we did, you know, we were on a budget, but um, someone else did these really elaborate set for us. And um, it was called Banana Pudding Show. And we did two versions. We did one version that could be aired on Christian uh, television network. Um, and then we did one version that it didn't matter what religion you were, you could watch it and, and, you know, still take something awesome for you and your family away from it. And I've learned a lot from that, um, that that's kind of the way that I think about my journey even now. Um, I want uh, I don't just want to speak to a Christian audience. I want to speak to uh, whoever wants to listen. And I think that um, I have something to say to not just uh, my Christian base or not just um, the school children and teachers and counselors, principals and assistants that I speak to and have spoken to. Now I'm on my third generation. Um, I want to be able to speak to whoever wants to listen. And um, I think I learn a lot from my audiences and hopefully uh, they've learned a lot from me. <laughs> well, I, I absolutely love that. And, and every now and then I'll see on Facebook uh, people connecting with you and saying, oh, I, you know, I'm, I have a family now, but I remember when you, you were at my school and this, this, and this. And what's that like <laughs> see that you that they still remember you and that you've made an impact oh, in these people's lives? You know, it, it, um, it's overwhelming is how yeah. it is. It's overwhelming in the most wonderful way, like a sea uh, of kindness that washes over you daily. And, um, you know, in our industry, um, in any industry, when you're in the public eye, um, there can often be harsh criticisms, you know, and don't don't get me wrong. I've had my share of harsh criticisms, you know, directed at me, too. Sure. But I have been so blessed, lucky, fortunate, whatever you want to call it, to um, just be bombarded and soaked with people's kindnesses about, hey, Mr. Lee. Um, when I was in second grade, you came to my school and now my second grade uh, daughter watches you or, hey, Mr. Lee, my grandkids love you and I loved you when I was in school. I mean, really, literally, it's it's kind of that or, hey, um, I saw you at a kid's camp um, back in 1972, you know, so um, it is overwhelming in the most wonderful way. It is a responsibility too. um mm -hmm to kind of tra stay true to what it is that my life has been about. Um, mm -hmm. And at the same time to reflect uh, the truths of my journey in an authentic way and to um, let people into um, more than just, you know, sets and puppets and um, 
really, it wasn't until my accident, in, in all honesty, and um, in 2016, I had a near-fatal car accident. Coming home from a show in Katy, Texas, um, my car was smashed by two 18-wheelers, and it nearly cost me my life. Um, it took them 45 minutes to get out of the car. I was in a hospital in College Station for a month um, and rehabilitation for another month. And then I lived with my 80-year-old parents and my physically challenged sister for a month. And it was, of course, probably one of the most trying times of my journey. Uh, I didn't know if I could go back to ventriloquism. I didn't know if I could get back to traveling on the road. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do any of it. Um, and while I was flat on my back looking up, Mm -hmm. um people began to visit me and um send me notes and letters and my mom and dad's garage literally just filled up with notes and letters from people saying mr lee you have to get better um nana pudding guy please come back to our church or our school or our camp mm -hmm. um and literally that stood me on my feet on the days where you know the, the left side of my body was really smushed um it didn't get my money maker though yeah so yeah. just there not get the money <laughs> but yeah. um it it um, it really to answer your question it opened my eyes and my heart to the impact mm -hmm. that uh, my journey had had on others and not only the journey of doing programming in schools for all those years in churches and camps and and on the television show mm -hmm. but also um, also just being willing to be authentic with people. Okay. And to say, you know, I am crushed. My, you know, my life is is in a mess right now. I don't know how I'm going to get back up or if I can get back up. And just being able to be honest with people like that, I didn't understand what a ministry um, that was going to be to people. Because sometimes people see you on a stage or they see you on a television screen or on your YouTube channel mm -hmm. or on a DVD or uh, you know, listen to you on a CD or all these years and they assume that your life is one way all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, nobody's life is one way all the time because mm -hmm. I'm a human being just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that we're all learning during this time where COVID-19 is ravaging our world, mm -hmm. um, it is that, you know, people are hurting, you know, whether they're hungry, one in five children in America, whether they can't do their programming, they, or they can't uh, earn a living, they, um, don't know where their next uh, dollar is going to come from or if they're going to keep a roof over their head. So being authentic with people and I think just like being willing to talk with people and um, not being afraid to say, you know, man, this stinks. You know, um, I literally I was just getting back on my feet physically, mm -hmm. financially, and my um, programming was really just getting back on its feet. And then, of course, you know, everything shuts down for us. It shut down March the 4th. Mm -hmm. So um, just about the time that I was, you know, thinking, okay, woohoo, you know, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to ride this out till my retirement um, in the most wonderful way. Mm -hmm. Then it, it got kind of stood on its ear. And I know that a lot of people, including people that entertain and are in service industries, waitresses, waiters, you know, people are, um, they're hurting. They're trying to figure out what's going to come next. Um, and so I'm, I'm like that, too. Anyway, it it, it caused me to listen whenever I uh, fell on, you know, such hard times in my journey. Um, it caused me to be able to hear someone say, Mr. Lee, you made such a difference in my life. Please don't give up. And then people's kindnesses mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. stood me up on my feet. And um, if you've never been down, mm-hmm. um, you don't really, maybe you don't understand that, but you know, words matter. And when people are kind to you and they say such nice things, uh, um, you know, I, being a performer, you kind of learn to take criticism with a grain of salt because it, it goes with your journey. You know, everybody always has an opinion about what you're doing. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of you have to be uh, really careful. I, I, I don't surround myself with people who tell me, yes, 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 yes. I surround my people myself with people who are going to say, Dennis, oh, my gosh, what were you thinking about that? That just does not work. Or Dennis is how sensitive is that? Or, hey, Dennis, I think that, you know, that show was your best one ever. Or, you know, so that way um, you grow. You know, the only way to grow is to kind of have some ups and downs and some failures. And um, and I'm nobody sure. likes, huh? I'm sure the other perspective, too, helps you, you know, when you're working on developing bits or maybe you weren't sure about the way something looked on stage and, you know, right. keeping, it, keeping um, it growing. Yeah. Someone else's eyes, someone else's ears, someone mm-hmm. else's mouth to say, because as ventriloquists, you know, unless you were typing yourself and um, watching everything going on, um, you sometimes you don't know how how funny it looks or how how dead it looks or how um, lifeless the character appears or how you um, I don't know your uh, your costuming doesn't work or um, and all of that is really a uh, ventriloquism has just been an, an outlet for me to be able to share storytelling and um, and teaching and counseling with the world. Really, that's that's the truth of it. <laughs> well, I want to share this story with you. You had yeah, accepted to be my mentor in the ISN program when I was a yeah. senior in high school. And that was just, I mean, that, that honestly did change my life. And I was able to see you de- perform your live shows. And we had a winter showcase halfway throughout the, halfway throughout the year. And <laughs> you would see, we, had, we were at the, uh, the Cowboy Stadium, the Star. And there uh-huh. are a bunch of different tables from different high schools. And you would see, you know, people who wanted to be therapists, doctors. And at the very end in the corner was this kid who had this whole elaborate ventriloquist setup that looked like a science, <laughs> science fair ventriloquist setup. <laughs> and, and, and kids, teenagers that were also in the program were interested because I had puppets over there. And they're like, well, so who's your mentor? And I said, Dennis Lee. And they go, wait a minute, is that the Nana Pudding guy? And they freaked out. They're like, how did you get him as your mentor? And it was just, it was such a neat experience because everyone, I mean, we, we grew up seeing you perform at our, at our schools. And it was, it was so neat that you're just, uh, you're just such a a common and familiar name uh, among our generation. So it's, it was truly. Thank you. That is, that is so kind. It's funny because um, I have four children and uh, it's funny because you know, through the years, you know, their weddings, mm-hmm. um, they're all married, but my baby daughter, but I'm um, going to different events. Um, and then like, it's, it's, you know, ob- obviously I have changed over the years. It's what happens to you in your journey, but uh, you're, I would go to a, a wedding or I'd go to some formal function and um, my, my children's friends would be like, um, they did be introducing me. This is, you know, this is my dad, Dennis, da, 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 da. And the kids would be like, he looks really familiar, you know? And then, right. And then my, my kids would say, well, he, he, he probably came to our school or your school or blah, blah, blah. It was, he's the Nana Pudding guy. 
And then it was funny to see my children's reaction to other children's reaction to me because my kids are just my kids. You know, they grew up on TV. They grew up. They they sure. I drove yeah. to every show. They're they used to it. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was, you know, it's just like um, if your parent is a doctor, you don't think of anything. You just think your parent, you know, that's the way every right. parent is. The doctors. But yeah, um, it's funny. Job, right. And it's funny, Landon, to hear um, the kindnesses of other like you are saying. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was really, really a blessing to hear that. Uh, and thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate that. Um, I develop my puppet characters in a lot of different ways. You know, um, sometimes you'll see a puppet character and you uh, and it'll be walking by you at the airport. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, I get that as a puppet uh, builder. <laughs> you, you tend to right? people watch. Yeah. <laughs> you people watch. And I think, you know, I, I developed one character. Um, his name is Danny and he kind of had. A stereotypical little, you know, little puppet voice, you know, that kind of thing. And then, um, basically, I tried to find different characters that would be different vocally than that character. So, you know, I would, I would do um, Baby Mickey's oldest brother. People are always shocked that that voice comes out of me. You know, hey, how you doing? You doing all right? <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know. Hey, you know, doing, oh, well, 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 you know, or uh, uh, that's, again, been part of the fun for me um, when I'm developing new characters. I saw somebody ask that question. Yeah. Um, we have a, and, and, we have another comment from John and Crystal McLennan. They said, uh, we saw you perform several years ago at the Children's Pastors Conference in Orlando. We love Nana. Oh, yeah. The CPC. Oh, my goodness. The Children's Pastors Conference. They uh they were so kind to me. Um, I had the opportunity to emcee that for many, many years um, with Kurt Jarvis and some really, really great people. I That connected me. The Children's Pastors Conference connected me to, um, to be able to work with um, the Billy Graham folks for a summer and to do their thing. I think it was called Kids Fest and um, and then to go to a host of different churches and mission journeys and trips and, and to be able to talk about God and the difference that Jesus had made in my life. And, um, yeah, so CPC, that's, that's, that's awesome. I have fantastic memories about that. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, Dennis, because you had talked a little bit about, um, Nana Puddin and his older brother, but how did the, where did you get the idea for having, having monkeys in your show? Cause that's become a staple. For you and what people know you as well I'll, the truth of it is um i kept telling my mother when i was a little boy i want a monkey like a real monkey okay and she was like you are you know you are not getting a real monkey those things are nasty and they're hard to take care of and blah 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 and so it was a natural outgrowth for me to um then want a monkey puppet you know to, and sesame street was really just coming into its own um and soft-sided characters were mm -hmm. friendly and, and um, they were non-threatening to a child, you know, because sometimes if you bring out a, a wooden slot jaw character, you know, you know, little kids in the front row are like, ah, you know, they want to run right. and hide underneath something. Because, um, and I had a, a wooden character that was my staple. His name is Danny, but unfortunately he had red hair and freckles and resembled Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't tell Danny I said that. But, um, Danny yeah, got an early so retirement. To, yeah, he had, yeah, he had yeah. to he had to take a little break. But um 
so puppets, uh, the, the monkey puppets came about that way. And then really uh, how I got the name Nana Puddin was um, I had an aunt um, on my mother's side, Aunt Mary. And um, whenever we'd go uh, to visit our family, which lived, my mom's family lived in Gainesville, Texas. Um, and my dad's family lived in Thackerville. So they were just like Thackerville, Oklahoma, which is like right across the board from Gainesville, Texas, for those of you who don't know. And uh, when I'd go to visit, um, I would love my grandmother's banana pudding. But being from the South, we called it Nanner, Nanner pudding. Nanner pudding, right? Right. So right. when I was trying to think of something different, um, the year I went back to the ventriloquist convention, um, and I was trying to come up with something new. Um, ooh, it's an Amber Alert. Okay. I think it's gone now, but I hope yeah. the child's okay. Um, an Amber Alert came up on my phone. Yeah. Um, here. Whenever I uh, went back to the ventriloquist convention, um, mm. I thought, I'll have a big monkey and he'll be Nick. You know, that voice. Hey, how you doing? Nah, nah, nah. He's going to kind of be a punk rocker, kind of edgy. I had a good friend named Tony Wilcox. that was edgy and kind of a rocker. And I okay. patterned Nick the punk monk after him. Um, anyway, uh, and I thought he'll have a little brother and his little brother won't eat bananas because he's a baby. What will he eat? He'll eat uh, smushed up bananas. And I thought, ooh, that's gross. Um, and then I thought, oh, he'll eat banana pudding. And then really because being a ventriloquist saying banana mm -hmm. pudding well good grief why don't you just you know jump off a building you know i mean that's hard to say right so mm -hmm. it was a natural outgrowth to call him nana pudding to cut off the and being from the south that's what happened when i would perform in the north or in canada or other parts of the world people would say um is your show about a grandmother because nana they would think, <laughs> and I'd say, no, it's about these monkeys that like banana pudding, but they call it banana pudding. And the weird thing was, this is the truth. Um, it's weird how God works in your life and how you might think something is just something that's, you know, kind of a throwaway or whatever. Mm -hmm. When I did um, the banana pudding bit at the ventriloquist convention, mm -hmm. and then I started doing that little bit as a part of my program, you know, the banana pudding, then I would be at the mall or I would be at a church or I would be at a school and people wouldn't say, Oh, there's Dennis Lee. They I'd hear, I'd hear, Nana you know, I'd hear, <laughs> I'd hear somebody and I'd be like, and I'd, you know, yeah, that, yes, I, that's me, you know? Oh, and so man. it stuck. Literally it stuck. It was one of those things that fell out of the sky again, miraculously. And um, then it became what people called me. They, they would call me the monkey guy and then the monkey guy turned into the funky monkey guy. And then it turned into literally all that fell away and people would just say, Oh yeah, that's the Nana pudding guy. And um, so yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> so I'm curious, you talk a little, you talked a little bit how you transitioned from uh, using your character, Danny to the, to the soft puppets, which are mm -hmm. really big right now. But um, what was the process like for you when you had, when you had attended convention before, were you familiar with Verna's work? Um, or how was that? Because Verna Finley did most of your, your beginner. Yes, character. Verna Finley, Verna Finley, and then Marianne Taylor, mm -hmm. um, did uh, after, um, after Verna passed away, um, mm -hmm. then Marianne Taylor did some of my key characters, but Verna was the one. And basically I got her name from Jeff Dunham, um, okay. you know, at that, how, you know, she was awesome and she's great. And, um, and then I went to the ventriloquist convention and the year that, um, 
that I did not win, that I got fourth place mm -hmm. with my little wooden character. And um, I bought an elderly kind of aristocratic looking older woman and we called her Aunt Grace named after my Aunt Manny Grace. Because <laughs> if you know me and I love you, you're going to be immortalized in foam. <laughs> no, um, so anyway, I, I did get a Verna Finley character, Aunt Grace. I remember paying for her and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, um, it wasn't that it was so expensive. It was just expensive to me at that time, right. you know. I was thinking, wow. Um, and then the fun that I had with that soft character um and then the big gorilla nick mm -hmm. and he has morphed over the years as well as my nana pudding character has morphed over the years and then i met um you know uh, marianne taylor and she uh, has just always been such a um, a creative uh friend of ventriloquist and then i met this this kid at the school named Landon Harvey. <laughs> and I saw some of his work and I said, uh, you are going to make my, I want you to make my next Nana Pudding character. And, uh, and you did. And was an I love it was, well, listen, um, I told you this, I've told you this to your face and, uh, and I'll tell it right here on your channel. Um, uh, you, you are a gifted young man. Not only are you a gifted ventriloquist and performer, but uh, your creation and your character creations are one of a kind. I mean, they're they're sturdy. You that your hands fit in them and just perfectly. I mean, you took so much time to get the face of my character just right, and I would um, just all of it, Landon. And I'm not just blowing smoke just because I'm on your show. <laughs> you know how I am. I didn't have something nice to say. I'd just be quiet. I'd just be well, like, I, was, I remember when you were talking to, uh, you, it was my end of the year showcase for ISM and you had attended that uh, celebration and I did a, a, a mini lecture as well. And you were talking to, I believe it was one of my teachers. And when I told you were saying, yeah, this, this, uh, he told me that he built puppets and I said, okay, yeah, that, that's great. And then, and then he showed me his work and I was like, wow. <laughs> Right. And that's why and that's I, the truth in that moment. I always have to show people like I have to show you what I mean by I build puppets because people suppose, oh, you build like hand puppets and you trace the pattern. That's so much more. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Landon, because people don't understand what an art um, and and not everybody that says I'm a puppet maker. You know? <laughs> not everyone. Not everyone has your gift. I mean, first of all, you've got to really your characters have a unique look. I love um, they have a, a cartooniness to them that um, just reads so well, whether it's adults or to children, um, whether it's television or far away on a stage. And that's all those things are really, really super important. And then I remember the care that you took when you were making my uh, Nana Puddin character, which is my namesake. I use him solely, um, the one that you made for me, I use him solely for YouTube because um, I wanted him to be clean and crisp and look great. And uh, I just, you know, I can't say enough about, uh, you You know, you have quite an art form. So, yeah, it is hard sometimes to explain to people what it is that you do. I'm, I'm a puppet maker. It's kind of the same thing as um, whenever I would go to a party um, or when I was dating, <laughs> people would say, what do you do? I never would say I'm a ventriloquist. Never, because I I just didn't think that that was very sexy. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. 
you know, I'm a ventriloquist, you know, um, but uh, I would always kind of soften, soften that and then work people into the fact that I was a ventriloquist <laughs> because well, it was hard to explain. Yeah, you say ventriloquist and they suppose they have everyone has this narrow concept of what a ventriloquist is. What they don't, right. they don't realize is that there's so many different forms of performing it. And so you're like, I have to really show you or you have to see what I. Yeah. What I yeah. And, and not, not only that, but you know how ventriloquism is. Um, <laughs> you know, people are really, really good at it or they're not really good at it. And there's yeah. not a lot of background. And then because of that. Um, then when you say I'm a ventriloquist, people want to pat you on the head and go, oh, well, but yeah, well, what do you do for your real job? <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, so that's one of your hobbies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, um, and it is, let me tell you, it is my hobby. And um, what is it that uh, someone has said? Um, if you do something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. You know, I, I don't know if that's exactly the quote, but um, <laughs> yeah, but 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 that is the way I feel. Don't get me wrong. There have been, you know, there were grueling days on the road. There were grueling days when we were doing and taping the Nana Puddin show. Just ask Nancy Wooster, my friend, yeah. who I'm still good buddies with. Um, there were grueling, you know, days in the sun or, you know, blah, 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 or long hours or whatever, but we loved it, you know, and that's the difference. I, I still love, um, I, I love, I love it. I love talking to children. I love making people laugh. I love how it makes me feel. I, I, I adore the process. Mm -hmm. I like from the beginning of putting a show together to the ending of uh, how it has morphed and changed. I like writing the music for it. I like putting the costumes and the colors together. Um, I, I just, you know, literally it, it has been one of those things that very few people can probably say, and that is, I, I love my job. I mean, I don't even really think of it like a job. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love it. It's, it's been a blast and I'm, I'm not finished yet. I've got still got stuff to say. <laughs> So I got many more, many more ideas and uh, for for future shows and creativity. Well, I'm I'm curious because earlier you had answered uh, one of our viewers' questions about uh, I think it was something about the the voice or something about creating a character. Um, could you talk a little bit about your process for adding a new character to your show and how you determine um, if you want to have something custom made or take something that's already out there and make it your own? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, the first thing I would say is about when something is your staple, your core character, like mm -hmm. Nana Puddin um, and his brother Nick, uh, those characters had to be unique and one of a kind. Uh, I didn't know how important that was, um, the licensing about that, the trademarking of that, mm -hmm. um, the not selling of the intellectual property rights to Nana Puddin and his brother Nick. Um, but I made sure that I surrounded myself with people who did understand how important that was. And so Verna Finley, when she made my first Nana Puddin character and her, the brother Nick, um, uh, you know, she promised me. And, you know, that she would that they would be one of a kind. And that was really, really super important because then it went into television and then it kind of became my thing. And then, you know, people associated me with that with Nana Puddin, the character. So um, it had to be mine and uniquely mine. Um, and then what happens is um, I do buy some stock characters um, like uh, in Axtel, you know, they have characters that. Um, they will duplicate and sell. And I, I love 
um, some of those Axtel characters. I mean, oh my God. And his his company, they do amazing work. Yeah. uh, Right. I mean, you know, um, amazing. Mm -hmm. And the bang for the buck is just uh, extraordinary, you know, extraordinary. So if I'm doing a, and I'm doing a show, let's say, okay, um, let's take the show that I did um, last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year's show was called the great jungle jam. And um, I didn't want it to just be about um, jungle characters because I try to think outside the box so that when somebody hears the name, they might think, oh, he's going to have lion print and leopard print and blah, 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 blah. And it's going to be about banana trees and blah, blah. And it wasn't about that at all. It was about things that were black and white and how you bring color to your life in the great jungle gym. And um, so I I had a character that I uh, had uh, that I bought from Xtel just to use over the top of the screen. Um, that I go back and get a new character and then would come come back and do the show out in front of the screen um, mm-hmm. with the other props. And um, I loved that character. So um, sometimes it just depends on my need, you know, and it also depends on my budget because, mm-hmm. you know, people are not made of money and, you know, you've got to be careful about that. Also, I think sometimes ventriloquists um, maybe spread themselves a little too thin. Okay. Um, you know, I I had one character. His name was Danny. Mm-hmm. I had that character who that I got from um, Mayor Ventriloquist Studios, Chuck Jackson. My mom and dad got him for me. It cost a lot of money, and it was beautifully handcrafted and done. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Clinton Detweiler helped my mom and dad pick it out and the whole nine yards. Wow. Um, yeah, and that mm-hmm. character, I I did that character for eight years. Eight years. He was all I did. Eight, eight years yeah. of Dennis and Danny. Mm-hmm. So I, I had that character down, you know. And so when I had to lay him down because he looked too much like Chucky, um, that was that was like a death in my family. I mean, well, not quite, but, it, you know, it was like grieving the loss of a character. Yeah. Um, so I embodied that character and his voice and his mannerisms into a different character that was soft-sided and more chill, child-friendly. But what doing one character for eight years taught me was that Oh my gosh, that I've got that down. You know, I've got his mannerisms. I've got the way his vo- vocal inflections. I don't even think about the back and forth conversation. It's not like it's so scripted. People always say, do you write your scripts? And I'm like, well, yeah, I write my scripts. Well, it appears off the cuff. Well, yeah, it does appear off the cuff because um, I wanted it to be conversational. I wanted it to be lifelike. And so I worked really super hard at that. And so it's not and that just comes with practice and age and experience. But um, to answer the question, Danny, the character I used for eight years, it wasn't until I went to the ventriloquist convention and I saw that I was kind of the dime a dozen ventriloquist that I said, I got to do something different if I'm going to stay in this and still love it and not feel bad about my art. And so I created the, the Big Brother Nick. And the best thing that I could do was to come up with a deeper voice that people wouldn't expect to come out of me, which, you know, when you hear this out of me, mm-hmm. you really do not think that it's coming from me. But if you heard this from me, you, you, you would think that this kind of voice would be more like what you would hear from me. You know? yeah. And so um, I worked on doing the other character and when I work it into a show, um, I spend hours um, talking that way in the car when nobody is looking. 
you know, I would spend hours um, just kind of talking to a friend and going, what do you think about this? If the monkey says, um, you know, hey, man, you like my hair? Don't touch it. You know, you know what? Or to come up with a catchphrase for that character, mm-hmm. because that was important. It's like having a hook line in a song, you know, a, a song that's got a really good hook. You're like, oh, wow, I can't get enough of singing that. I sing it over and over, shake it off, shake it off, whatever. Um, and it's the same way with ventriloquism, with coming up with the character. When you come up with a mannerism or something that your character does or something your character says, it gives people the opportunity to love them as much as you do. So that's kind of how that process works for me. It is not something that I just go, oh, I need a, okay, I need a lion puppet. And and then I put it immediately in the next show. And let me tell you, for all the people who are ventriloquists, um, all of my friends can tell you that are close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it makes me nervous and I still get unnerved when I'm working with a new character. Landon, the truth of the matter is when you made my pristine, fantastic, extraordinary new Nana Pudding Company from Original Dummy Works, it took me a while uh-huh. to get comfortable with the fact that, well, you're, you're not, exa- you're not him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get Even it. Though, I get because, it. Because. The comfort level is something that the only way to get comfortable mm-hmm. is to put that thing on your arm and do it over and over and over and over. And now, if you tried to take my original Dummy Works and had a pudding character for me, I would be like, uh, you that you can't. No, I don't want any other character. This he's it, you know, because you get uh, when you have something that is artistically what you're looking for, mm-hmm. and the fact that you're a ventriloquist. And you're a great uh, artist as far as caricature and puppetry and the the creation of the character. Sure. Wow. You know, that is like handing a a pianist um, uh, a fantastic, extraordinary um, grand piano. Mm -hmm. I mean, they may have worked their whole life playing on a little upright at their house. But if they're handed this fantastic new piano, then... It makes you play better. It makes you feel better. But it takes you a while to get comfortable right. going from your upright to the grand piano on a big stage. So I don't oh, just, I, you know, when people say, do you still get nervous? I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're not nervous, there's something wrong. You know, I still, of, of course, I right. got nervous before I was going to just talk to you tonight. And I know you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm curious, could you, because you talk about, about, how when I built you the, the new version of your character, it was it was a whole different different feeling that you had to get used to, because because you had the other Nana put in for it it was it's as old as me it's almost twenty years old right, right. yeah so you, right. Had, you had used that puppet to its full capacity absolutely and, 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 yeah. I had uh, and not only that but I had three other ones um, mm-hmm. that because we did television work. Um, and yeah. when you're doing television work, oh my goodness! And my characters changed clothes, <laughs> which that was a mistake. But anyway, Nancy Wooster, she was always like, "I don't put clothes on my puppets because uh, they're animals, and uh, that's a pain." But um, <laughs> I can imagine her saying that. <laughs> I think I won her over in the, in the end. I think I won her over, and she dresses up Waco and Larry. But yeah. uh, but anyway, the dressing the character. Mm-hmm. For different scenes that you were shooting, like all the kitchen scenes, you were going to shoot uh-huh. on a week worth of footage. That mm-hmm. means that if the character was in a Western shot, that he had to have that costume on. And then you, so you had to have multiple characters. Um, 
And the thing is you get comfortable with the feel of the character and the smell of the character mm -hmm. and the way that it looks. And, um, and it really is a feeling of comfort, you know, uh, a security about um, not freaking out when you get on stage because you've got new songs or you got new whatever. And, um, but I got to tell you, once you dive in mm -hmm. and you kind of start swimming, um, you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, and let me tell you, um, I love my new Nana Pudding character. Love, 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 love. <laughs> Well, um, could you talk about your favorite show memory? Oh, wow. Wow. That's a really hard question. Um, the favorite show memory, like of all time, of all time. Or one of, um, or one of your top favorites. Yeah. Um, I... I think probably it would have to do with um, there. There have definitely been some show memories that I that I you know could will never forget. Like Verna Finley, I rushed her. Uh, I I hurried her up to get this new Nick character, the Big Brother uh -huh. character, for me. And um, she said, you know, she had this beautiful accent. She was like, Dennis, I I did I hurry him to you, you know, blah blah blah. So he gets to me, and I'm going to take him to this camp and use him immediately for this youth camp. Yeah. And while I'm on stage doing the program for this youth camp, the, the audience starts just laughing. And I'm like, okay, what are they laughing at? I mean, like, kind of not with me, kind of like at me a little bit. Yeah. And I'm, you know, there's a difference. And I'm right. like, yeah. <laughs> and, and I look down and his, his, the arm that was furthest from me had fallen off. Oh, no. So she had, she told me that she had pinned. You know, she because she was rushing to get it to me. Right. So she had she had pinned and she had had stuffed. I mean, um, stitched all of the other pieces that she did by hand, except for this arm. And how how um, I made it that far without it falling off, I have no idea. I guess the pen was in fairly good or whatever. Uh -huh. But anyway, his arm fell off, and um, and the audience was laughing. And then um, he just I, all I could think to say was. Um, I've heard of disarmament, but this is ridiculous. And of course, they just thought it was part of the show. And then I, I picked his arm up and I finished the bit and and had him um, in pain. And then the rest of the camp, <laughs> the rest of the camp, um, I went to the nurse and she got me um, an arm sling. And so we put his arm in a sling. And so the rest of the camp. Um, it was this the, this whole deal about how his arm is still his okay, but you know, and I mean, we'd be at lunch and the and the youth would be like, "How's his arm?" <laughs> so I love that though, you you stayed in the moment and you went with it and you didn't let it overcome you. You you turned it into part of the bit, and I love that. It's like pr prove that you're a, a seasoned pro. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things I've definitely learned is this. Um, I. I don't want my um, performance experience to be painful. I don't want any experience to be painful. Unfortunately, sometimes discomfort and um, hard times are sometimes a part of your life. They are. It's, you know, you can't have all sunshine. Sometimes you're going to have some nighttime and yeah. sometimes you're going to have rain. But um, one of the things that I learned, if you're really, if you're prepared as you can be, there's always going to be something that's going to happen. Always. You know, a, a heckler or a child throws up on your shoes or, um, you know, um, 
a helicopter flies by, a horn that honks. If you're outside, it's so hot, you know, a bug flies in your mouth. I mean, Lord, there's a zillion things that can go wrong. Your mic doesn't work. They don't play the correct song. You know, that's back when I used to use somebody besides my own sound man. Mm -hmm. um, and if you let it freak you out, first thing, it hurts your audience, and but it hurts you. You know, it's it 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 it's just a miserable feeling. It's one of the things that I learned. Um, not that I haven't had things that flopped. Absolutely, I've had ideas or gags or things that I thought were going to be so funny, and they just they just went, you know. Um, and so I try them in front of a couple of audiences, and then if they continue to fail, then I go, Dennis, okay, that you know, you thought it was funny, but nobody else thinks it's funny. And sometimes I have kind of a odd sense of humor, um, but uh, letting something just destroy you while you're on stage is not going to do you any good. Um, so if you can kind of be quick on your feet. And and sometimes I have a few stock things in my head, but, you know, I was not prepared for a puppet's arm to fall off. I mean, what are you going to do about that? You know, so um, and then taking that and running with it for the rest of the week, that taught me a lesson that sometimes the most unexpected things can just be a huge blessing to you and such a huge part of your show. Um and it can be a lot of fun. It can, I, I, my dad used to go with me. My mother taught me ventriloquism and wrote my scripts. My dad would mm -hmm. take me to the performances because I couldn't drive. I was just a little kid. Oh, wow. You have super and, supportive parents. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. My dad, he's, my mother's passed away, but my dad is uh, 85 and he's still, we send him all the Nana Pudding clips and he's like, oh, I love that, that piece. Oh, you should take that part out, but that's really funny and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, my dad would stand in the back of the auditorium because I was 10 and mm -hmm. my favorite thing to do was ad lib. <laughs> I love to ad lib. So my dad would be in the back going like this. Like wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up, or or no, 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 cut that, cut that, cut that, or 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 you know, like no, 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 mm -hmm. because I was a ten year old, and sometimes, you know, I might think something's funny, and I might not understand that it has two or three meanings. Right, know, <laughs> like girl speak. Yeah, um, sure. So, um, being a person that liked to ad lib um, and kind of riff. Um, really began to be a fun part of my journey and it helped my characters and my programming to not always appear like it was all wrote although it is written out beforehand usually a year in advance and then it gets rehoned and refixed and reshaped and it morphs as i see the audience oh they just don't get that you know that's the hardest thing about doing um nana pudding youtube it's because mm -hmm. I can't see the immediate reaction of the audience and go, oh, that's not working, you know, or, yeah. or, oh, they think that's funny or, oh, they love that. Or, you know, you don't have that immediate reaction. Right. <laughs> wow. Well, could you, one, one of my favorite stories that you've shared with me in the past is one, uh, one that related to the Vent Haven convention and scripture. Could you talk a little bit about that story? Share that with our Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went to perform at the Ventriloquist convention. Um, like I said, I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, and I went with a, another ventriloquist. He was in the junior division. I was in the senior division because I was 16. And um, I won fourth place. And, and he got first place in the junior division. And I got fourth place. And, of course, that was hard. I, I was so happy for him. But I was uh, upset with myself. So I got back to the hotel room and uh, called my father because that's what I do 
you know. And I said, Dad, he said, how's it going? I said, I got fourth place. And he was just elated. He was like, oh, my gosh, man, you got fourth place. That's awesome. I was like, no, that no, no. I was not happy with my performance because, again, I kind of realized that I was a dime a dozen ventriloquist. And um, my dad said to me, after he listened and listened and listened, and I was really griping. And I said, Dad, are you there? And he said, I'm just listening. And then he said, you know, Dennis, and he calls me Benjamin. My father calls me Benjamin. It's not my name, but he calls me Benjamin. <laughs> he said, you know, Benjamin, um, that which does not grow great fruit in our journey, the father will gently prune away. And I said, what? And he said, that which does not grow great fruit mm -hmm. in our journey that God the Father will gently prune away. And I I thought, really? I mean, I just told you I won fourth place. I do not want to hear scripture right now. I am mad. <laughs> I am upset. You know, do not tell right. do not quote scripture to me. <laughs> um, now, here's the here's the fantastic part of that story. Um, years later I wrote a book called The Great Great Garden, which is based on John 15, 5 from the New Testament. God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches growing great fruit all the time. And that which does not grow great fruit in our life, God will gently prune away because he loves us. Not because he hates us, not because he's trying to be mean to us, but because he loves us and he's trying to cut away the dead branches. So we'll grow and we'll be able to flourish because that's what a good gardener does. And that's what a good father does. That's what a good God does. Mm -hmm. um, so, I perform at the ventriloquist convention. I get the phone call from my dad. He gives me the scripture. Okay. 20 years pass. 20 years. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. Two zero. 20. Ray Rippey, my manager and partner at the time, gets a call from the Vent Haven convention. Hey, we want Dennis Lee to come back and headline on the big night with um, three other ventriloquists. Will he do it? Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we're going to be in Illinois anyway, Dennis. We'll just shut down. Absolutely. So I did iFest in Kankakee, Illinois. Uh -huh. And then we drove all, you know, a long time in the wee hours of the night to get to the convention. We get to the convention and it's, uh, there we are, right? And I come into the hotel lobby at the drawbridge. Is it still at the drawbridge? No, it's, they uh, tore down the drawbridge. <laughs> so anyway, that's how old Finally, I am. Yeah. Um, I, I went to do the, the, the um, and so I check in and the kids are sleeping in the car and they're exhausted. And so the next morning I get up, I go do a workshop to teach a workshop and then I, I rest that night and then I'm going to go do the performance. So it's, I'm really super excited. I hadn't been there in 20 years. I go step on the stage. I'm third in the lineup and the two ventriloquists before me had been kind of blue. And there were a lot of children in the audience because people heard that I was coming. Um, and there are, also, there are sometimes children in the audience anyway. But right. um, they, but they knew that I was going to be, and I was kind of known banana pudding guy, children's performer, does you know family-oriented church material and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I do the performance. My children, um, Ray takes back to the hotel room because he it got so blue that he was like, okay, we got to. You know, okay, y'all cannot be in here to hear this. Yeah. So I'll bring you back when Dennis is on stage, and then you can sell sell the merchandise and stuff afterwards. Long story short, I do my program. 
Um, afterwards, there's a huge line. We sold totally out of all our DVDs, all materials that we had. We sold to solely out, to sold totally out. Yeah. Now, that's not the great part of the story. The great part of the story is there's this woman and she's waiting with her little boy um, off to the side. And I'm thinking, lady, what are you waiting for? I mean, I'm getting tired, you know. And so she was just because she wanted to talk to me. So she came up and she said, after everything's done, she said, Mr. Lee. And I said, yes. And she said, um, I brought my son, um, Jacob. And I said, oh, awesome. Um, oh, that's fantastic. Hi, Jacob, blah, blah, blah. She said, well, I had to take him out um, <laughs> during the first two ventriloquists because um, it got a little uh, above us, above him, or, you know, a little blue. Right. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And she said, no, no, no. I brought him because, you know, he wants to be a ventriloquist and he's seen your television show and la, 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 la. And then she said, um, and I just want to say thank you for um, kind of staying true to who it is that you are and what it is that you were kind of called to do and speaking to families. And there's still being something funny for me as his mom in your show, but also that I don't have to worry about taking him out. Right. When you stepped on stage, I knew I knew what I was going to get. Mm -hmm. And then she said, I just got to tell you something. And I said, oh, you know, because that can be a scary thing when somebody says, you just got to tell you something. <laughs> she said, um, uh, God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. And we are the branches growing grapefruit all the time. And that which does not grow grapefruit in our journey, God will gently prune from us because he loves us. And I thought. What'd she say? <laughs> and, and so, and I just started crying. And she said, no. oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Lee, I'm sorry. I said, no, 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 no. I said, you have no idea. You have no idea what you have just told me. No. And she said, well, yeah, I, I just was quoting John 15, 5. I said, no, 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 no. I mean, you know what you told me, but mm -hmm. you have no idea what that means to me. Because 20 years ago, when, you know, when I won the competition and um, and my dad get on the phone and my dad gives me this, you know, scripture, mm -hmm. I said, I didn't understand what my dad was trying to say to me. And I said, and now here you are 20 years later with your little boy. And I'm at, back at this same exact event. And you are quoting to me this scripture about how God loves me enough to prune away the stuff that is not going to bear good fruit in my journey. As a young man, I did not understand what that meant. Mm -hmm. But now, at that time, and now, of course, um, I have been so blessed, lucky, fortunate, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've not had to speak to people when they were inebriated or when they didn't really want to listen to me. I, I haven't had a lot of heckling. I haven't, um, not, that, not that I'm knocking any of those venues. I'm no. not. I'm just saying that God spared my journey and cut away the things that he knew I weren't going to grow great fruit in my life mm -hmm. and gave me the opportunity to pursue a path that um, literally just uh, uh, still makes me smile. And um, how many people can say that? And it was not God's displeasure with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. It was God's love for me that um, I believe um, caused him to be able to open my eyes and to see what a gift I had been given 
in the journey that I had been allowed to do and be a part of for all these years. So yeah, that's the story. <laughs> oh my, there's so many amazing elements to that story. I mean, the fact that uh, you had, you hadn't been at the convention and then you, you, after 20 years, you, you go back and uh, I remember the first time I heard that story, I, I, I teared up because I was like, wow, that's uh it's just um, one day I'm in the process of a good friend of mine. His name is Scott Wallace Luck. He's like my little brother. He's in the process of writing my story. He's been writing it since 2016 for all the things that people don't really have not really known about me or understood about my journey. Um, uh, and and that that story is definitely going to be one of the stories that I, I just have to tell because um, I, I'm a firm. I am a man of faith. And um, um, my faith uh, has seen me through the good and through the bad of each day and um, and has been a big, big chunk of me being able to speak to people, not just in church settings, but in mm -hmm. all settings um, to be able to tell them that there's hope for their lives and that they're um, there's someone who loves them and to not give up and to continue putting one foot in front of the other and did not give up on your dreams and all the things that we kind of say is trite little throwaway things. Um, but you know, that, uh, that story, it, it, it's, it's near and dear to me as well. <laughs> well, that's absolutely phenomenal. And then today, um, uh, you know, with uh, everything that's been going on lately, you've been working a lot on Nana Puddin tube. Could you talk a little bit about that? Cause that's yeah, been growing. Because I'm just like, um, I'm just like everybody else, you know, COVID-19, um, you know, it put the world on notice, right? Mm -hmm. um, this awful thing that has cost so many lives worldwide and so many lives in the United States and, and still people, uh, it seems, don't really understand the gravity of, you know, wash your hands, stay home, wear a mask if you have to get out. Um, take care of yourself. You know, I have a heart thing, so I have to be careful. Um, my dad's 85. I have to be careful. My sister's physically challenged. I have to be careful for the people that I love and for myself. You know, you have to be careful. And Definitely. so um, the YouTube channel has come about. Um, I was already, I already had a YouTube channel called Nana Pudding Tube. Um, and really, I was thinking in the next 10 years, <laughs> In the next 10 years, as I begin to continually slow down, I'll never retire, but I'll continue to slow down um, to care for my sister as my dad ages because Lisa is um, going to come to live with me at some point and, um, and Tony and, and we're going to take good care of her. Um, the YouTube channel was something that we were going to really kind of focus on getting a viewership for over 10 years. Um, kind of weaning people to it and the fact that I wasn't going to continually, you know, perform on stage, you know, 450 shows a year for, you know, okay, we'll be able to do that when I'm 90, although you can roll me on the stage and I'll try. Um, and so YouTube really, um, when the COVID-19 happened, we said, okay, we can either lay down and just quit, which, you know, you can't. Because uh, I still have to be able to make money, and and so do all the other performers and all the other people. You still have to figure out a way, um, and not just to make money, but um, to continue doing what it is that you've been called to do in the world. You know, um, the money is it, it's going to have to come to all of us some way because you know we've got to pay our bills. Uh, but 
um, to not uh, use the mouthpiece that you've been given to bring joy and happiness and, and encouragement to people, um, that would be a travesty. So uh, Tony and I are on a schedule and we, um, you know, we write the, the schedule over the weekend and then we do one day in the studio and then I take the stuff and do stuff in the field without Tony. And um, then, uh, and that's fun for me because I can be creative and kind of play and, um, and stay away from people. <laughs> stay, stay a long way away from people. And that's hard to do when you have a puppet in a park. But, um, uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, and then Tony edits and then we put my music and stuff together and, and we put them out. We put out, we put out one episode a day. Um, we do Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday episode. Thursday, we do a Vintage Vault, which is a music video, which is a throwback from my Nana put show years. And then on Friday, we do a fun day. Um, this is going to be our new pattern. And we're, in, we're trying to encourage teachers, children's pastors, and people who are just um, uh, in, in, trying to continue to reach and teach their children to mm-hmm. use us as a, you know, as a part of their learning because um, they're sheltering at home, they might as well use this. So. Wow. I love that. I love that. Could you adjust your mic a little bit? I, I'm. We're getting some. I want to make sure that we're not getting any feedback. Uh, can you still hear okay? Yeah, I can still hear you. There's just some. I don't know if it's on my end, um, if our audience can still hear you. Um, so, can do you have a character with you that could uh, that you could bring out? Hey, come here. <laughs> come here. You've been so quiet. I'm surprised that you were so quiet. I'm so surprised that he was so quiet. I've got somebody you need to see. Yeah. Yeah, you know who that is. <laughs> That's Brandon. That's Goodwill. Yeah, yeah. He's the one that made you. Yeah. This is Dana Flooding. And this is uh, my main state character. And you were made by Brandon Harvey. <laughs> and what do I always tell you? What do I always tell you? Sit down, you gardening nuts. No. <laughs> I, I said that one time at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. I'm going to by the way. Yeah. I love my new character. I love his hair. Thank you. Yeah. I love his eyes. Thank you. I love his tooth. Thank you. I love everything about it. Can you see better? I want to make sure that I can see. You might need to adjust your mic. I think, I think someone else commented that your audio sounds like they're, it's a, like it's inside of a 10. Like it's kind oh. of rolling, so I'm not sure if maybe something disconnected on your end. Did something disconnect? Well, I'll have the person who does. Uh, is that better? Ah, uh, no, it's still it's still there. Well, I don't know. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed on our end. We took off one mic and we can plug it back in. <laughs> See how it works. Plug it back in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is the character that. Um, It's the same. It's okay. It might be on my end because because of the stream. I'm not sure, but uh, that's that's really great. I thank you for bringing him out. It's always it's always neat to see and how you dress him to fit the uh, the theme of your videos. And uh, oh yeah, that's part of the fun for us. You know, um, it's me dressing him. I, I used to. Okay, you need to go sit with the nanny. You need to go sit with the nanny. Yeah, well you're going to. Anyway, sorry. 
he thinks that if a camera gets out there, he's got to do a show. Um, that's that's what used to be one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. <laughs> was to shop for my character's clothes. Of course, I was a young kid shopping for you know like toddler clothes, and people would be like, "Do you have a little brother?" I'd be like, "No." <laughs> No, you know they'd be really super curious. Yeah, stores. My uh, my son Hunter, um, when he was little, uh, I used to like dress him up in like you know like these really bright overalls and stuff, and he'd be like, "Uh huh." And I'd be like, "Look, you're only gonna wear it for about three weeks before you get too big for it, and really, it's for my puppet." We got all these pictures of Hunter dressed up like. Probably like a puppet, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I get that in uh, in in uh, shopping for puppet clothes. I'm always bringing puppet bodies into into local local stores to make sure I get the right fit. And it, uh, yeah, I had to show them what I did, so I, I you know didn't seem suspicious. <laughs> but uh, so in 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 wrapping up here, what do you hope to see from the future of ventriloquism and from future school performers? Mm. The future of ventriloquism. Wow, I I hope that people continue to uh, take the art and craft to all new levels. You know, mm-hmm. um, we are working in um, an audio visual portion of our program with lights, mm-hmm. and um, next year my program is called Zero Gravity, and it's talking about um, not letting things hold you down, which is mm-hmm. really super appropriate uh, wow. given state of yeah right i mean talk, that's a god thing for sure yeah. um, i can't take any credit for a lot of this anyway. <laughs> dennis lee um, staying current once again <laughs> well yeah that's that's important right yeah um, and also to be able to talk to people i had a really good friend his name was steve sanderson he traveled with me for a long time and he was this really giant of a guy he's really soft-spoken and so kind mm-hmm. and one day he said to me um isn't it funny that you write all your programs for you. And I was like, no, no, that's not, that's not really what I do. And he was like, well, oh, okay. So <laughs> uh, two years passed and he said to me, he said, hey, hey, remember we had that conversation? And he said, he said, uh, am I your friend? And I said, of course you're my friend, Steve. I said, you don't just work for me. I mean, we're like buddies. We hang out like 24 seven. We're always on the road. How can mm-hmm. you even ask that? Yes, you're my friend. And of course, that was then followed by, well, I need to tell you something that was, um, he said, you know, remember I told you you write your shows for you and you didn't really think you did? And he said, well, um, today was the perfect example. Isn't it funny that you've spent, you know, all these years talking to yourself, mm-hmm. but really you've been talking to yourself. I mean, working out my own anxieties, working out my own, um, you know, where people didn't accept you or people put you down or they said you didn't fit or you didn't have Mm -hmm. a place in the church or blah, 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 whatever it was. Um, You know, your little skinny, big-eared, high-voiced, puppet-loving boy. Um, You know, working out my own um, uh, salvation with fear and trembling (laughs) Mm -hmm. by talking to myself and literally. I've had the mm-hmm. best therapy for, you know, now going on 47 years. And I believe everybody should have a little therapy. I think it does the world good. Um, but, you know, I've had the chance to have that character on my arm kind of talking and working through my own issues mm-hmm. and then hopefully being able to talk to children about that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Tony keeps pointing. He wants you to see this. This is something um, I'm working on. We have a senior pastor at my church, Cathedral of Hope. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to show you this. Can you see it? <laughs> yes. Can you see him? He's got uh-huh. like, a, a, at one point, this character looked like me. But uh-huh. um, now, of course, he doesn't look like me so much. But he looks like my senior pastor. So um, my oh, senior funny. pastor has um, a British accent. <laughs> okay. And so I'm working on I'm working on working that puppet into a. Oh, that's a, great. A program. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. I bet I bet he's gonna love that. That's a great that's a great plug for knowing your audience. <laughs> yeah, and, and, for sure, and, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been working a lot with my church um, mm-hmm. of late. Um, we have a great children's pastor's name is Dan Peeler. He mm-hmm. did a bunch of the designs for Chuck E. Cheese, and he's worked on television and a little bit of this, a little bit. He's seventy five years old. I don't think he mind me telling that. And um, he and another guy named Charlie Rose, they do a lot of our children's programming, all of it, really, at um, Cathedral of Hope Dallas. And uh, I've been a, a privileged to be a part of the children's ministry really just since um, about January of mm-hmm. this, this year. And uh, so Tony and I go and we do programs for the kids and, and oh, we cool. do it through Sundays a month. It's really, oh, it's been such a blessing to me. I'm missing that because we're not able to get together with the the, oh, it must be awesome. You mentioned you mentioned Tony. It must be great having him do all your sound and all the technical stuff, and so you can rely on him for I, that because he's your. I'll he's tell your you. Technician. I'll tell you how great. I'll tell you how great it is to have Tony Britt. Um, <laughs> Tony is he's upbeat and he's kind and he's honest mm-hmm. and he if he doesn't know how to do something, don't worry because mm-hmm. he will read a book he will google it he will he will figure it out mm-hmm. that's what he's been doing with all of our editing for the nana pudding tube yeah um literally he got a new editing thing it didn't cost a lot of money he downloaded it and the, you can see how the the episodes are progressing yeah. because um i you know i'm gonna create until you lay me in the ground really that's i'm just going to you know if i'm not creating something Mm -hmm. i feel like there's something wrong i gotta paint i've got to draw i've got to do something with clay or make a puppet or do a show because if i'm not i'm gonna be in trouble and you Um, did your background didn't you yeah this one i did i i drew this i painted it when my my dad had a throat cancer um and so i was taking care of my sister she was staying with me at the time and um so I had a lot of time. We were just kind of sitting together because Lisa has cerebral palsy. And so we do a lot of that type of thing, things that she can do that I can do. And now we both, um, you know, we need some sitting down time. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I drew it and I painted it. And um, I'm really super proud of it. <laughs> that looks great. It really does. Super neat. Well, Dennis Lee, thank you so much for being part of Land and Live and for sharing your story. I have to say before I go, um, if you're looking for a character, um, the original dummy <laughs> company and Landon Harvey, and if you're looking for um, the future of ventriloquism, um, you asked me about that. Mm-hmm. And I have the perfect answer. Um, pe- young people like you, Landon, um, who are going to take the ball, continue to grow the art, um, take it in the direction that you want to go in it. And uh, hang on to the authenticity and the integrity of who you are as people. And remembering all along the way that humor, as my mother taught me, mm-hmm. does not have to hurt or be offensive or be foul to be fun. So mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. And thank you for making thank me a part of your show. I, I, uh, I, 
You got it. So um, uh, thanks and for people, letting us come and be a part. We had a great time. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. And, and people can find uh, you and Nana Puddin on YouTube at Nana Puddin Tube and on Instagram yes. at Dennis Lee, right? That's that's correct. And uh, awesome. you can drop us a letter at DennisLeeLive at gmail.com. Um, I would love to, you know, have feedback about, uh, you know, ideas that people are trying to teach their children, whether it's, um, you know, how to wash their hands properly or, <laughs> or how to be kind. So, yeah. and thank you for being kind to me and allowing me to be a part of this land. Oh, have a great night, guys. You too. Bye-bye guys. Bye.